Hey, this is the podcast for Mid-City Vineyard Church. My name is Brian. My wife, Christy, and I pastor Mid-City Vineyard, which is located right in the heart of New Orleans on Canal Street. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, you can check us out online, midcityvineyard.org, on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, and on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard. Uh, during Lent, we are in a series right now entitled To Change the World, Lessons in Presence. And for this particular teaching, this weekend we were talking about presence at the table and what it looks like to actually experience and discern God's presence when we come to the communion table together and then how that presence moves out from the circles that we run into the community. So thanks for checking it out. Much peace to you. So the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been in this series that we started, uh, I guess we started three weeks ago, and it's entitled, the the name of the series is To Change the World, and uh, Lessons in Presence. And I, I think that this is really, it's so timely for us because our church now, we're one, year, we're one year old, and here we are in, in the middle of uh, this amazing community, Mid-City, right here, and we're just, we've been uh, engaging in a lot of conversations as a church, but also just uh, Christy and I, especially in our neighborhood where we're living right now, and just this, this idea of what is happening in our world and how might we go about uh, as followers of Christ, of actually changing the world, if we even can, which I, I think is also a pretty important question. Uh, because the truth is, I mean, just look at, again, and we, we talk about this a lot, but you just watch the news this week, and what do we have? I mean, the, the, the violence, especially in our city, is out of control. Uh, the violence uh, throughout the world, honestly, is, is out of control. The, the, the amount of angst and the amount of fear and the amount of selfishness and the amount of greed that, that seem to just be running rampant and then, you know, on the flip side, God, our creator, God and Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit. It's interesting because God is a God, and, and we, we would agree upon this, that God is a God of peace, that God is a God of mercy, God is a God of grace, God is a God of beauty and kindness and goodness. And yet in this world of violence and greed and angst and selfishness, there, there are times, we have to admit, because it's not all doom and gloom, there are times that we actually see glimpses of peace. There are times that we actually see glimpses of beauty. There are times and moments where we see glimpses of mercy, where we see glimpses of generosity. And I would suggest that any time you see a glimpse of any of these things, you are seeing a, a piece of, a glimpse of the heart of God. You are seeing a move of the Holy Spirit. And you might say, no, 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 I mean, that person's not even a Christian. Let me tell you, if you're seeing mercy and beauty and peace and graciousness and gentleness, you are seeing the work of the Holy Spirit. You are seeing glimpses of God's amazing kingdom rule and reign uh, uh, manifesting itself right in front of you. You're seeing an answer to the prayer that that Christians uh, were taught to pray by Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you see these things, you're seeing an answer to that prayer. 
And so for us, as, as people and as those who have been impacted by the presence of God, there is this longing within us. And I, I think there's actually this longing within all human beings uh, that there's this longing to see the world put back to rights. There is this longing to see the world change in the direction of God. And, and I, I can say that quite boldly because what is the direction of God? Peace and mercy and kindness and gentleness, uh, beauty and grace, I, the, patience. These are, this is the direction of God. So we all desire to see the world move in the direction of God. But how will the world move in that direction? That's, this is the key question. And, and how does it work? Does it, do, do we shout the world in that direction? Uh, do we update our Facebook posts and our Twitter feeds and our Instagram feeds enough in that direction? Do we win enough arguments on Facebook over doctrine and theology and these kinds of things? Do we, if we win enough of those, does the world change? Do we go to enough marches and protests to change the world? Uh, do we change the world by voting the right person, <laughs> if there was a right person, into office? I mean, are these the ways that we change the world? Are these the ways that God is choosing to change the world? I would suggest absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because we might be able to impact change in some way, social change in some way. We might be able to impact a particular law. And, and here's the thing. I think we should as, as followers of Christ. I mean, you know, marching does certain things and and in some i mean there's a there's a there's a strong history i mean just look at the the civil rights movement you know their their marching did something very powerful what martin luther king was doing and, and marching was moving there was social impact but you know what did not change was the hearts of men and women that the hearts of men and women don't change when you win a fight on facebook I mean, I finally showed them. I finally got my point across. But no hearts were changed. Hearts aren't changed when we vote a particular person into office because people who are in office aren't interested in changing hearts. And I would suggest that God is not going to use the social structures of the world to change the world. Think about that. I mean, if God is, 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 is integrating change, I mean, what did, what did God do? God came in the flesh as Jesus walked the planet. So now we have God incarnate. And when God wants to overturn, when God wants to change things, God does it by God's presence. You see, when God wants to overturn the cycle of violence, God doesn't use the current structures that are set up to overturn violence. Instead, what God does is God allows this violence to be done to himself. He takes it upon himself, and he doesn't retaliate that violence. He's not playing by the same rules. So God's not going to use the social structures of the current society to change society. What's God going to use? Again, I'd suggest that God's going to use, as he always has, his presence. Because God is interested and seeing the hearts of men and women impacted and changed. God is interested in seeing the hearts of children grow in the direction of patience and kindness and goodness 
and mercy and beauty. And you can't force that on people. That is something that is going to, it's going to, to, to be birthed. There's going to be a seed planted and that's going to grow from the inside out. You can't, you can't push this on people. Now again, please understand, I think that we have a responsibility to act out for social change. And there are issues. There, there are people who are being oppressed. And we, as Christians, stand up for these people, whomever they are. Understanding, though, that when it comes to the systems, we're not going to change the systems. There's a, there's a certain power structure in the kingdom of the world that's in place until Jesus returns. So what are we going to do? How are we going to about, uh, how are we going to go about doing this? I want to introduce to you because this kind of this is basically what defines us as as a church. I, I believe for. This is what I think God is doing with us. Um, this is a particular and a very particular, a very intentional way of living the Christian life. And it's, um, if you would, think of your world. And I'm going to actually put this on the screen so that we can see it together. But if you would think of your world in three very distinct yet overlapping ways. And, and this is what it's, this is what it's going to look like here. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to use this. And, and this is probably going to define us for... A very very long time because this has really been defining uh, my life, Christie's life, the way we're trying to approach uh, our, our lives in our neighborhood and in our family. And this is what we want to do here as Mid City Vineyard. But the way we're going to look at this is there are there are basically three distinct spaces and or places where you live your life, and yet though they are distinct, they also are to ultimately overlap. And I'm going to explain these to you, and then we're going to. Uh, look at how this works in real life. But the, the close, not closed, but the close circle uh, in this particular diagram represents the, the body of Christ, represents the church, the community of faith. So what we are doing right here, right now, this would be considered the close circle. And as we discussed last week, you remember last week that, uh, that meditation I read you from uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous book, um, it was a meditation from two weeks ago, but this is what the meditation said. Remember, this is from uh, AA. We must, as alcoholics, we must go to AA meetings regularly. We must learn to think differently. We must change from alcoholic thinking to sober thinking. We must re-educate our minds. We must try to help other alcoholics. We must cooperate with God by spending at least as much time and energy on the AA program as we spent on drinking. We must follow the AA program to the best of our abilities. I would suggest, once again, just as we were discussing some last week, that what we do right here in the close community, this is the place, this is the space where we are allowing ourselves, first off, we're disciplined to, to present ourselves in this place and space to God and to one another. But it's almost as though uh, we, are, we are swimming in the waters of the culture all the time, and this is the safe place for us to come and to be re-educated, to be educated differently, to be educated not in the ways of the culture and the society, but to be educated in the ways of God's kingdom, the way that God works. And I love what AA says. We need to spend at least as much time in the AA program committing to our growth as we spent to drinking. And, and as followers of Christ, the, the truth really is that we would do ourselves... Uh, 
uh, a lot of good to spend at least as much time thinking on and meditating on and, and, and pressing into the things of God as we have spent our lives pressing into the things of our culture and our society and doing life however the hell we want to do it. Are you with me there? And so the close circle is this space where a people who are committed to Christ but who are also learning to be committed to one another come together and we, we practice in this space. This is our practice place. We practice submitting to God. We practice submitting to each other. Now, we live in a culture that, where that word submitting is awful. Nobody wants to submit because we live in a highly individualistic uh, society where I'm my own person, I can do my own stuff, I can do whatever I want, and not, on and on and on and on. And yet, it seems that Christ invites us to be a part of the body, the body of Christ, the community of faith, where we actually have this beautiful thing called mutual submission where you speak into my life and I speak into your life and you make me angry and I make you angry and then we don't run the other way but we learn what it is to be reconciled to one another because we're in the presence of God because God's presence lives and dwells within us because we are present to God and how would we ever do any of these things out in our society and culture if we can't do it here how can we ever reflect God's beauty and glory to, to the, the amazing world around us if we can't figure out how to do it here. So in this circle, the close circle, in this circle, I, I'd like for us to think of it this way. Jesus is the host. Jesus is the host in this place. This is, I'm not the host. This is not my church. You know, this isn't Wesley's church or John and Sidney's church or Amir's church. I mean, this is, this is the church of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus' church. Jesus is the host. Jesus is the one that welcomes us into this space. And our desire is to experience Christ in this place and space. This whole idea of experiencing Christ, we're going to press into this uh, <laughs> as we continue over the weeks. But um, it's something that, that, that we've got to, in some way, shape, or form, we've got to figure this out. And when I talk about experiencing Christ, I'm not talking about super highs, like, whoa, you know, and, and, and weird emotional highs and things like that. Like, I've, I don't know. If that's experiencing Christ, I'm in big trouble because I just don't, I just don't go there very often. But if experiencing Christ is um, being reconciled to someone, if, if experiencing Christ is, is being able to express my needs and, and my desires to someone, if, if, if experiencing Christ is someone um, allowing me to submit to them or me submitting to them, if someone praying for me, if, 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 if um, experiencing Christ is, is practicing the peace of Christ in my life, I mean, then, then, well, then we're in good company. And that's really, that's really what we're after. So that's the close circle. The close circle, though, we can't just do this. Like if we just do this, then God doesn't, the, world's, the world doesn't change. So what do we do? Well, the dotted circle comes next. And the dotted circle would be where you see kind of your neighborhood. Uh, the dotted circle is the place that, where it now extends from this circle into that space. And that space is defined, once again, by those who are committed to Christ. But there's a greater space here for neighbors and for strangers to enter into that space and to actually experience and watch and see what God's doing. And most of the time, people don't even know it. So, you guys know, uh, we do Red Bean Mondays, second and, second and fourth, third Monday, second and fourth. <laughs> second and fourth Monday of every month, we do Red Bean Mondays at our house. 
we're all invited. That's what we do, 6.30 to 8.30. But see, one of the things that Christy and I have been very intentional about doing is inviting all of our neighbors. And so our neighbors, they come in and, and uh, you know, they're coming for a bowl of red beans. And, and I want to be very clear about this. Christy and I are not trying to, in churchy words, we're not trying to convert any of our neighbors. Um, I was at a pastor's uh, retreat this past weekend, and we were supposed to, we were all church planters and, and things like that. And we were supposed to be talking about our, our vision and our mission of, of our churches and and I just, I mentioned to, to this, this group of, of men and women, I said, you know, there's a lot of churches in New Orleans that are, they're trying to save the city. You know, they're trying to save New Orleans. And I just told these guys, I said, I, I have no desire to save the city. Like, that's not my heart. My heart, Christy's heart, is that we would come into, uh, come alongside those in this city and in this place and that we would bring value to the city of New Orleans, that, that we would bring value to, to entrepreneurs and that we would bring value to the schools and that we, would, that we would bring value to the restaurants and that we would bring value to city government and that we would, we would come alongside and partner with what God's already doing and over time what's going to happen is God is going to impact the hearts of men and women and children through His presence through the church. I'm just, I'm firmly convinced of that. So when we invite our friends and our neighbors to Red Bean Monday, please don't corner them and ask them if they have a personal relationship with Jesus, because they don't, and that's not what we're doing here. You know, we're just, we are learning to live life, and we're learning to give space and place to the work of the Holy Spirit between us and the other. I am convinced that when I'm in conversation with Sally, I'm convinced that God is, is, is working in this conversation. And my job is not to force it, not to push it, not to... My job is simply to cooperate with what God's already doing. With what God's already doing. And so in the dotted circle, this is what we do. We, we, we observe. And then, and then we go one more circle, the half circle. The half circle is the larger community. So you go from the closed circle right here. The neighborhood, our, our house, um, when, when you do things in your neighborhood, with your neighbors, with, with people. And then the larger community is, for in, in our context, it's mid-city. But the amazing thing about the larger community, you see in the, I should say this, in the dotted circle, you're still the host. Okay, Now you're the host that brings about and, and the presence of Christ is, 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 flows in and through and with you. But now when you go through to the, to the uh, half circle... We are now moving out from and we're going into the places. We're going to where people are hurt. We're going to where people are marginalized. We're going to where people are broken. And it's in this space that we discern God's presence, but we are now the guest. This has been the hardest one for me to learn. I used to think that the only way to impact people and the only way to bring about peace, the only way to, to, um, uh, to, for people to experience God's presence was when I invited them into my house. So when people, so this happened not too long ago, but there's this couple that invited us over because our kids are friends in school and everything, and they invited us to their house. And I was like, oh man, like how, how they invited us to their house. How are we going to, how are we going to, you know, express the love of Christ? And how are we going to, you know, be good host if they're going to be the host? And, and it's really kind of a cool thing because it's like, no, how often was Jesus the guest? Actually, Jesus was the, was the guest more often than he was the host, was he not? I mean, Jesus was always in, in being invited to everyone's parties. And Jesus just goes about just being Jesus and just uh, being love and being mercy and being kindness and being patience. And, and there's, this, there's, this, um, there's this contagious, yes, 
to, to this presence. And so we move into the community and we, we, we are, we're doing these things and, and it all starts, I would suggest it starts right here where we practice being shaped, where we practice being formed. So what, is it, what does it look like? Well, one of the w- ways that we practice being shaped and being formed and we'll look at a few of uh, over the next couple of weeks. But one of the ways that we practice being shaped and being formed is when we share the table together. When we share communion together. Now, in 2,000 years, communion has come a long way. Uh, they used to actually get full when the church shared communion. Now, uh, we don't... I, this is why we do Red Bean Mondays and Bulldog Thursdays <laughs> and things, because we've got to have opportunities to get full together. But in a, in a society where there is a lack of connectedness, there's a lack of presence, people are desperately desiring presence. And one of the ways that we make ourselves aware of presence is by practicing communion together. This is the place where you and I are invited to actually discern God's presence. If you remember in Luke chapter 24, and I encourage you to read it this week, but for the sake of time, I'm, I'm just going to tell you the story. But in Luke chapter 24, you have the, 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 the two people who are walking on their way to Emmaus. And it says that Jesus, after he had uh, been raised from the dead, that Jesus begins walking with these two people on the road back to Emmaus. And, and the whole time they're talking about the events that had taken place with the crucifixion of Jesus. And Jesus comes up behind him and says, hey, what are, you, what are you guys talking about? And they say, oh, I mean, where have you been? Has your head been in the sand? Did you, have you not heard about Jesus? You know, they, they took him and they crucified him. They killed him. And, and it says that they're interacting face to face, but that they do not recognize Jesus. It says that they, they go on a day's journey. And when they reach the town at night, they, they find a house to stay in. And it says that Jesus, it's as though he's going to continue walking. But the two people say, no, well, you can't continue walking. Why don't you come in with us? And it says that they went to the table and they prepared a meal and that they were sitting around the table. And it says that at some point, Jesus, who they still don't recognize, reaches for the bread and he breaks the bread. And it says that over the breaking of the bread, it says that their eyes were open and they realized that this was Jesus in the flesh that was sitting with them at the table. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us as we were speaking about and talking about the scriptures with this man or as we were walking? And now we understand that this is Jesus. There's something in this story very powerful to be said about the fact that when Jesus breaks the bread, Jesus is present. The spirit is present. And that there's this, there's this breaking of the bread and there's this awakening of the eyes. There's this empowering of the soul. There's this awakening of the spirit. This is why communion has been such a, a powerful thing. I told you last week, the Catholic Church gets this so beautifully right in so many ways. Uh, when, they, when they actually talk about the presence of God being at the table with us. It's so much so, and, and remember now, um, I, don't, I don't lean in this direction of transubstantiation, where they actually, the Catholic Church believes that the bread becomes the literal body uh, flesh of Jesus and the, the wine becomes the literal actual blood of Jesus. I, I just don't, I don't go there. Uh, if you do, cool. Uh, but the, the key here is that the understanding is that when we take the bread, 
in faith and symbolically, we are literally ingesting the, the life of the resurrected Christ. And when we ingest that, it's as though, I mean, if you actually symbolically thought about this, um, and I would encourage you to keep it bread and wine because that way it's less cannibalistic. But, uh, you know, this way you're, you're ingesting it and now it's as though, it's, it's, it's as though Christ is, is present and, and Christ flows out of us. I mean, we're, we're, we're one with Christ. We are one with Christ. Christ in us. We are in Christ. It's, a, it's an amazingly beautiful thing. And so we share this every week together. And we understand that there is, there, when, uh, when, we, when we share this together, God is present. How many times do we come to the table, though, and we not even think twice about it? And I, I would like to see us in the close circle actually take a, a step of faith here and, and really reflect. We, our whole church is built around the table. This is what we do. Like this, this is, if we're going to do anything, we're, we're going to do this. And may we reflect upon the presence of God in this place. May we reflect upon where we're broken and where we need healing. May we reflect upon where, where we are anxious and we need peace. May we reflect upon where our relationships are, are, are fractured and we, we need reconciliation. May we reflect upon these things because God is present. The presence of God is here for these things. We recognize in this place the work of God in our lives. And if we don't recognize it, here's what happens. Here's what will happen. We will be tempted to take God's work into our own hands. Here's, that's, that's the deal. If we don't recognize God's presence in our lives, we will be tempted to take the work of God into our own hands. We will be tempted to, to take all of our relationships into our own hands. We will be tempted to take all of our unforgiveness towards ourselves into our own hands. We will be tempted to take all of our grudges into our own hands. We will be tempted to take all of our hurts into our own hands. We will be tempted to take our own healing into our hands. That's why understanding and realizing the presence of God is real and it's for us is so very important. And when we recognize it here, then we can go back to the circles. Think about it. It begins here in the close circle. We discern our relationship with God. We discern our relationships with one another here. If we have fractured relationships here, may we reconcile them before we go to the table so that we can practice what this is. Like, listen, if, if this stuff isn't real, I don't even know what the heck we're doing here. Like, and I, I, if reconciliation in relationships is not really a possibility, then what, why are we even here? We should just go back down to the bulldog and drink more beer because it doesn't make sense. But if the presence of God really is here and reconciliation, if God really has broken down the walls, then that means it's possible. What better witness to the world that God is a God of peace and mercy and reconciliation and goodness and gentleness and self-control and patience and and. and in uh, all the other good things. So we practice it here. Then we move into the dotted circle where we become the host and we set the table. We set the table for neighbors. We set the tables for friends because Christ is present. We're doing Taco Tuesday. You're not invited. We're doing Taco Tuesday at our house this week and it's just for our neighbors. It's going to be amazing. But, you know, it's one of these opportunities. I only say you're invited. You're not invited because you're invited to everything else. That's why I said that so, so sharply. Um, not because I'm a not because I'm a jerk, um, but we're doing Taco Tuesday for all the neighbors. And I, I'm, I'm most excited about this because it's just an opportunity just to be with the neighbors. 
We practice not taking control. We're the host, but we don't take control. We allow Christ to be present, and we just follow Christ's lead. And then we move it into the half circle. We move it into the half circle where we're no longer the host, but we're the guest, and we submit ourselves to the hospitality of others. We don't order the affairs of the table. We learn humility. We learn what it is to be present. We pay attention to God and what God is doing. And I would suggest once again, as we do every, every week, that God's already there. God's way ahead of you. Wherever you're going to dinner tonight, God is way ahead of you. All that God is looking for in these situations is that maybe in some way, shape, or form through the lives that we're living, God who is already present, maybe in some way, shape, or form his presence might be known. Might be known. See, I think, I really, I, <laughs> so here's my experience. I'm 40 years old. My experience is that in my 40 years, the world has not really changed for the better. My experience is that um, the, uh, the environment is in worse shape. My experience is that violence, I wouldn't say it's more violent than it's ever been. I would say that we're right, we're right on par with where violence in our world has ever been. We have more nuclear weapons today than we've ever had, so at any point, anybody could destroy all of us uh, if, they, if they get upset enough. Uh, I would suggest that, that we have grown in the areas of certain rights, but I don't think hearts have gotten any softer, uh, and, and the list goes on and on. So if that's not working, and yet God's heart is huge for the entire world, and I think God is still doing the thing that he's always done. He's gathering a people to himself. And he's saying, now you go reflect my beauty and my glory. You go be present to the world around. And I believe, I really believe that we will begin to see the hearts of men and women change. When the hearts of men and women change, then they begin to treat people differently. When they begin to treat people differently, then more hearts are changed. And this is how we're not trying to change the system of the world trying to influence and impact the hearts and minds of men and women and children through the presence of God.